Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward, and this is Sweat, Grit, and Hustle. Welcome, ladies, and welcome to those of you listening on the podcast because I'm actually recording one of our mastermind QA sessions today. Um, and these ladies are all absolute superstars in property, uh, putting in a bit more action than a beginner would and actually building and growing their portfolios in property. So I thought it'd be useful for you to all listen in to their Q&A session. Um, and what will happen now is when I ask them if they've got any questions, they're all going to go blinking silent. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um so don't worry, ladies, the video is only going into our Witch Property group. The podcasters can only hear your beautiful voices. So what do you want to discuss today? Good question. Excellent. Well done, Sally. I'm <laughs> glad you. somebody had. So angels and the withholding tax. Yeah. If you know somebody isn't a non-taxpayer, do you still have to withhold their tax and then they've got to claim that back even though they've never put in a tax return or da 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 theoretically yes um but obviously check with your accountant because there may be something they can produce for you as in your private funder can produce a document for you that will give you the ability not to withhold their tax so right. but theoretically yes because if you think about it just because they're not currently paying tax you don't know at what stage they might have to pay tax. So you can't control what else they do outside of the income they're getting from you. So that is why I'd say probably you'd still have to withhold it, but check with your accountant. And the, the thing to remember is if the loan is not for more than a year, then that little feature doesn't kick in on the limited company anyway. It's only loans a year or more that you have to do that for. As far as I'm aware, but uh, okay, yeah, just have a chat with your accountant. So there you go. Well done on that one, Sally. Be on the back of that question from Sally, does that apply to direct to loans? No, no, okay. direct to loans are totally different because it's the only bit that would be income is if you choose as a director to be paid interest on the money you lend the company, which you can do. But do check your articles of association to ensure that you're allowed to take interest as a director. And there will need to be a limit, as in you'll probably find it's got to be like near market rate and things like that. So you might not be able to take 20% interest as a director, but you'd be able to take like a, a decent interest rate that any other lender would charge you. Um, but yeah, you'd have to make sure that your articles of association allowed you to do that. So there you go. Good questions. Is that it? Is it? Can we go home now? Sharon. I'm used to myself. <laughs> um, when looking, I've been looking at flats recently. And, you know, they all have like a, um, a service charge and ground rent. Yeah. Um, can the service charge, who, who's in control of the service charge? And can that increase year upon year yes the the ground rents the rules for ground rents will probably be in your leasehold document mm -hmm. but in terms of service charges the management company via the freeholder or the freeholder direct can actually 
notify you what the service charges are going to be. And that's one of the problems as investors when you're buying brand new developments where they're big and swanky. Because one of the issues you have with those is the service charges can almost equate to another mortgage every month, especially if it's got things like mm. gyms and lifts and all sorts of flash stuff in it. <coughs> so it's one of the reasons the strategy, I don't do flats unless I create them or they're small conversions like small blocks of no more than six and certainly no more than three high. But that's just me personally. That's not a rule of any kind. Um, but again, it's just basically so that I... I don't end up getting stung with service charges. Yeah. Yeah, because it was only um, £66,000 <clears throat> flat and the service charge is 900 yeah. per year. Per year? Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, so that, that works out to be £75. £75 pounds a month. So if you think about a basic <clears throat> buy-to-let where your cash flow might only be 150 to £200, mm. Then you factor in £75 coming off for that service charge and you're literally pushing your cash flow down to like £100 or even lower a month. Yeah. So you've got to work out, does that make a good deal or not, really? Mm. Um, but that's one of the reasons I don't do them. I've got some leasehold houses. My best one is um, a property, it's a, a terraced house, um, and I think I... I bought it for about 52,000 it's worth about 80,000 now but the leasehold documents so the title deed you get as a leaseholder it states in there they cannot charge more than a pound a year ground rent because this was set 100 and odd years ago it's still got another 800 and odd years on the lease so at the end of the day that's practically I mean most lenders would treat that as freehold but I pay a pound a year and they keep sending me a letter saying would you like to buy the freehold <laughs> We've reduced the price. So it started off at £700 plus legal fees. It's now at £450 plus legal fees. And I'm thinking, well, with the legal fees, that's going to be £1,000. That's a 1,000 years of ground rent. Why? I won't be here in a 1,000 years. The house probably won't be here in a 1,000 years. So what's the point? Mm. Because it's a house, I can pretty much do what I want with it, um, albeit that the land itself is still owned by somebody else under a freehold. But... Who cares? I think the ones to watch for is some of the houses that have come out and been built in the last probably two to four years. So there was a, a thing going on by the builders where they were doing leasehold houses on new new builds. And this is what the big debate is and the, the new rules that they're planning on putting in. Because people were selling houses on a leasehold, brand new, and when they the owners got in, the first year it would be a pretty low ground rent and then literally they were whacking it up so the ground the money per month for the for the whacked up service charges ground rents etc were more than the mortgage on the houses were so that's Mm. why there's a big debate in parliament about stopping the leasehold fiasco but they are really referring to houses although it will to some degree stop swanky new flat owners um doing silly charges to their leaseholders in flats as well but yeah, there you go. Yeah, Sharon. We, we walked away okay. from yeah. we walked away from a, a flat where the owner's daughter was a solicitor and had changed the lease. So they extended the lease. That was good. But she put in one of these doubling of ground rents every five years or something. 
And you just think, okay, well, that might be all right in the first five years, but then you're doubling a doubling. Mm. Um, you know, what a way to... Well, it's like the good old story on compound interest, isn't it? Would you rather have a million now and nothing else, or would you like a penny and it doubles every day? Because it'll very soon make an awful mm. lot of money. So, yeah, if they're increasing every year, initially it's not going to seem like a lot, but 10 and 20 years in, that could be astronomical. Um, but, yeah, it's so funny because when the leasehold on mine got set, um, you know, a pound was probably a lot of money back then because 120 years ago, I don't know what it's worth today, but I suspect that was a big sum of money and it said that's the maximum they could ever charge. Whereas today, you can't even buy a cup of coffee for a pound. Mm. I don't think McDonald's coffee is even less than a pound, is it? It's like... Oh, no, don't want to do that. So, yeah, just be careful if you're buying flats, ladies. It's it's the reason why I'm very careful having flats in my portfolio. You've got no yeah, control. Yeah, and the service charge isn't governed by the lease, so you're even more at the hands of the managing agent. Yeah, and you've got to realise as well that you're not in control of repairs you do on the building either. So you could have some repairs that are needed that you would do, but the freeholder isn't doing. And so it's causing damage to your flat in the form of leaks or whatever. Uh, or you could be faced with a situation where the roof's not completely shot, but the freeholder decides they're going to replace the roof and the share of that that roof would be spread between all the flat owners so you've got no control over when you actually send out the cash flow to do repairs and improvements. So, yeah, I, I just, it's not for me. I know some people really like flats. For me, my flat strategy is take a house and convert it. But there you go. I'm a bit bonkers anyway. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, Debbie, I've spotted your hand raised. Yeah, so my question's around planning amendments or revisions, I don't know what the correct term is. Um, so this, this one property I'm looking at is going back to planning to get it, get it changed. So does anyone here have any um, experience of, of going through that process in terms of cost and sort of timescales? Is it, is it the same as going through the normal planning procedure? Or is it, um, and also the sort of cost, I know it's going to vary between different authorities, but it'd be interesting to see what the views are on that. Um, I don't, I'm going to see if Marilise has got anything to add on it first. I know I've gone through a planning amendment, so Marilise, have you got anything? Well, I've, I've done a, a, a hell of a lot of planning revisions, Debbie, but I, I want to understand what is the revision, is the... Are you building already? Where are you in the process? Where are? Do you see what I mean? To specifically answer that question, what is yeah, it that you're actually asking? The property's got planning in place. Yes. Um, currently, departments. Um, but to make it a more viable, profitable project, um, I want to go back to planning. Um, and change it from six apartments down to four, and then break off the other section into a house. Um, which I think was with local residents as well, because it was originally a two-bed house on the side of this this this, this property, um, and it was combined, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. So I'm looking. Will the will the will the will the external envelope change? So so will the elevations change on the plans? Um, yes, there will be a door fitted where it used to be, 
no longer is. I mean, something like that is normally just the material change. It's really simple. There's, there's no fees to be paid for it. It's just the revision. You're just asking them. You're telling them this is what you want to do. Is it okay? You, you don't have to pay for that normally. I don't know. I've never. I've, I put loads of the revisions in all through plannings. It's just, you know, sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. Um, so it's also trying to get a terminology. Is it, is it a revision or is it a change or is it... I mean, something I, I small like that, something small like a door is a material change because you're not changing the windows or moving or putting an extra story on or putting an extra... It's one door, yeah? So it's yeah. a material change. It's really simple. It's a small letter saying what's happened um, and this is what it's going to look like and you send it off. It's, okay. it's, you know, um, just let me just think about it. They could be, a, sometimes this, it could take two months for them to say yes or no. Debbie, I'm going to have to check that actually. You know, I, I've got a planning supervisor that deals with me with that stuff. I just said, just deal with it, you know. Yeah. I can check with her. We should bring her on actually, Tracy. I thought about that the other day. I said, went to see, um, to, sorry, I'm, I'm still. We're still in the body of your question. You, you crack on, Debbie. Anyway, no, that, sorry, that's all right, Marilise. We can we can chat um, about getting your planning guy on. So, and Saturday no. we're actually doing no. building regs and stuff like that. Um, in terms of, I mean, Marilise has covered most of it. You have got a change externally because of the door, but it, it that should still allow it to go through as a planning amendment. You're yeah. reducing the number of dwellings. So it depends on the council as to whether they then want you to put in a new planning. They shouldn't because your original was for six and your new one's for five. Normally, if you put in more in, then you'd need to go back for a longer um, sort of approval. But planning amendment, because at the end of the day, internally, unless it's, unless it's grade one or conservation or there's a planning con condition, theoretically, you can do what the heck you want inside as long as it meets building regs and as long as you are sticking to the number of dwellings that have been agreed. So you can't create yeah. it into seven without getting a new plan in, but you, I don't see why you couldn't go down to five, but that might be the only reason it gets forced through a new planning rather than an amendment. And in your experience, Tracy, has, has there been a cost associated with that change, you think, or is it just a lot as Marilee seems to think it's fairly straightforward i've never had to pay for a planning amendment ever other than paying my planning consultant but you do have to pay if you put in a new planning application in and the thing is when you're doing flats um if you go if you were going upwards then there'd be an additional charge because you pay per dwelling but you're yeah. going downwards so i can't see how they'd make you pay again for it but and that's for a rebate <laughs> That, that's what I picked up on the on the portal for the local authorities that I was trying to look for, for um, the process uh, description, if you like, for an amendment or and all I found was like the costs and charges for actually putting in a full application. There's nothing for amendments. So and I should contact them anyway tomorrow and, and, and see. But it's just uh, be expectation is. I, I could give you Saffron's phone number. I'll text you later. I can give you Saffron's number. She's already working with Alba on something else at Alba, or, you know, they, they're already chatting. Um, 
because she'll, you know, you can just give her a phone call and she can answer those things, you know, because I'm, I'm wondering about those plans. And they're never really worried if it looks different inside the internal walls, Tracy, are they? No, I've never known just it, if it bothered. Just if the look changes. The, the planners are only, they only want to know what it looks like in terms of the neighbours and what it looks like externally. Yeah, I mean, ours, they were bothered because that was because of a planning condition. We had a planning condition on ours. Is this Vicky, though? Yeah, that was Vicky. Yeah, but so it was Vicky a lot bigger. Because Vicky is beautiful, though, isn't it? Well, they, they put it in the... Um, non-designated historical interest or something. Basically, they made it conservation status in the back door. Yeah. I will. I would have sworn, but I'm recording for the podcast as well, so I better not. Um, but yeah, the issue there was when we got our planning approved, there was a condition on the planning that said we couldn't make any internal changes without Ooh. getting additional uh, confirmation and agreement from the council. So check the planning uh, document you've got just in case there is a condition like that on yours, but I wouldn't have thought there would be. We're effectively conservation, you're not. Yeah, yeah. The planning documents that exist are very, very thin, very sparse, to be fair. So, okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I could fill a library with the planning documents for Vicky. <laughs> v, for those listening in um, that don't know what Vic is it's basically the Victoria Inn that we're converting from a pub to 10 dwellings uh, and I think I might write a book on the trials and tribulations of it one day but anyway great question Debbie Tina I've noticed your hand is raised my dear hi everybody um, this is to you Tracy and everyone um, I've been in contact with the um, director vendor Um a landlord. Uh, it's got a property in, in my investment area and it's it's come via my uh, letting agent. She's been chatting and chatting with me. It's, it's not through the company. It's just us talking. Um, it, he, he lives away, quite far away. Uh, basically, tenants have not paid since the beginning of COVID and it's in a a bit of a mess, bit of a state. Um, she's had um, some quotes to carry out the the work to update it and sort it out, and it came to fifteen thousand. She told the landlord this, and he says, "You know what? I'm just going to sell it." So that's where we've got in touch. So today, um, we've we've made contact, and so. I haven't mentioned, no figures have been mentioned, nothing's been mentioned. I found out there's no mortgage on it. It really is quite desperate to get rid of it. Um, he thinks he's got three prices in it. He's got three prices in his mind. The Dunnut one as a flip standard. Yeah. Dunnut one as a... That he, this is his words, a rental standard and to sell as is. Uh, it, it does know the area and it knows what the prices are fetching. But my question to you guys is now, um, is this a lease option or an assisted sale? That's what I'm thinking because basically I haven't, I haven't got the deposit. I might be able to get the refurb money. 
but I haven't got a deposit to to buy it. But do I really need to buy it if he's not? I don't know. No mortgage, and is he wants rid of the hassle? Okay, so you could, you could, um, you could get rid of the hassle and solve his pain by doing a rent to rent or a lease option. And an assisted sale is just a form of a lease option. Yeah. However, what I'd ask before you go down the route of lease option is what would be your exit? Are you planning to do it up and sell it? My exit, it would just run as a buy-to-let, I think. So it wouldn't, well, be, an assi- yeah, it wouldn't be an assisted sale then because you're not planning on selling it. You would right. be exercising your option and buying it yourself at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always said if you can get a lease option rather than the rent to rent, it's better because, you you know, you have got the right to buy it at some point then. But you could go rent to rent and never have to buy it, just pay him a, a lower fee and you take the remainder. Um, but at some point you want the refurb money back out. I'd say the bigger problem you've got there is the looking and doing the due diligence on the tenant and his non-payment of rent because you don't want to take that debt on. Um, so, the tenant's gone. So the it's tenant's gone. no longer there. Oh, perfect. Yeah, sorry, I didn't explain that. No, that's well. all right. So if the tenant's gone, you're not, you're not inheriting that problem. Yeah. So I would say you could go down the rent to rent or the lease option route, but if you're not planning on selling it to a third party then you wouldn't be doing it as an assisted sale. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, I'd, it'd be a case of you could go either route. I think the rent to rent, you, I'd be concerned that I with the rent to rent, you don't ever have any of the equity growth. No. Because the rent to rent, you don't really agree the purchase price. So when you come to decide to buy it, you're then buying at whatever you can agree in the future. So I... Because you're going to be putting money into the refurb that's that level, I would say a lease option would be better, but ideally a longer one so that you've got five years or something. Definitely no less than three years, but ideally five years or more before Mm. you have to exercise and buy, which then gives you time to build up the deposit either from cash flow, if if the cash flow is big enough, or do a, a flip in the next sort of three to five years that creates the deposit to exercise your option on that you've got with him. Okay. So I, I can now go and do my reading and my homework on the lease option. So I've, I've done, I've followed the rules. Um, it, so it, we parted conversation where it's great to talk to you, you know, good to chat, blah, blah, blah. Um, can I go away and um, how did I put it now just see if it will work for me I'm going to go and have another look at it and what do I have to put it now you know when you say when's a good time to call you yeah Monday or Tuesday yeah free on Friday Friday house Friday afternoon house Friday yes he says Friday afternoon is great he says, but I'd rather have a conversation sooner rather than later. Well, that's <laughs> good because that yeah. shows that he, he is a desperate seller. And, you know, 
at the end of the day, to some desperate seller sounds like it's a win-lose in your favour, but it's not. Because if you've got a desperate seller, usually you are solving a problem somewhere along the line. So actually you're helping them. Yeah. Mm. And it's just a case of striking up a deal that works for both. Um, the fact he's wanting to do it sooner means he is definitely keen to do something. But at this stage, he may not even know you're going to give him two offers buy now or do on a lease option. And that's the way I do it. You, you're going to have to do your numbers because the thing that some people forget when they're doing lease options is they get so carried away with the fact they've got a lease option. They forget that the numbers still have to stack up when you've exercised the option. It's still got to cash flow when it becomes yours, not just while you're in the, the option period. So when you exercise the option, you've got to make sure it's cash flowing still. So as long as you've done your due diligence and it stacks up, then I would go in with two offers. Here's a price to buy it now. Here's a price to buy it over time. And if you go to the masterclass, the slides for the lease option, was it? Le no, the slides for the direct to vendor masterclass has in there a couple of slides on how to put in multiple offers. It's still quite foggy for me, is this? <laughs> is it foggy or is it that this is slightly new and it's the first time you've done it I, it's taken me god knows how long to ring him as in um he texts me uh and we, we text each other yesterday but we've actually spoke today and i had to build it up but and i was at work and i got changed and i went outside and took a cup of tea with me and and then I just thought, you know what? It's first one. Just do what you've been taught and see how it goes. Yeah, and the question I'd ask you, Tina, tongue in cheek, is he buying his house or are you trying to date him? Exactly. I know. He's got a really nice telephone manner, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you, Tina? Awesome, man. Yeah. Um... There's something there that, and it could be a little bit of fear. It could be a little bit of anxiety. What if I get this wrong? What if I don't say the right things? The thing to remember is he doesn't know what is right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. This is about two people and this is what, what you need to do. You know, when I did the session around performing under pressure, I said one of the biggest things that creates the pressure is the fear, the anxiety. So it's all about reframing it. All you're having is a conversation and you're having one of those now. Mm. That's what I said. That's what I did. I did. That's what I did. And I thought, you know what? You've got 25 minutes of your time now. Use it. Yeah. Instead of messing about. So I did. And. But it, it um, it's quite funny because I think a lot of the procrastination is we all do it, I do it. You'd be amazed how many cups of coffee I'm having when I've got to phone somebody that I don't really want to have the conversation. And it, it's literally your own brain keeping you safe. It's that ego mind keeping you safe. If you have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, you can't get hurt. If you you know if you go and have another cup of tea with a biscuit, um you know, that'll put it off for five minutes and I'll keep you safe for five minutes more. So you need to take control of that ego mind and remind it that all you're doing is having a conversation and you do that every day. And a conversation so cannot, cannot, cannot kill you. It can't physically harm you. 
would you that that, that first one line sentence you're not going to say how about a lease option are you you know no way you're going to say that that first one line sentence is well I've had to think about it and I've got two offers in mind is that how you is that that first sentence you'd use no what what would you say then well again there's no right and wrong way so that's the first point there is no right and no wrong way I would have a conversation it'd be a case of you know one thing you want to do is remind him of his pain yeah. yeah you need the pain back up there so that you can solve it so I would start it off with, um, I've gone away, I've done the numbers, I'm just clarifying. As I understood, understand it, the main reason you want to sell, you've had enough of dealing with it, the hassle of it, managing it, you don't want to put the money in to refurb it. Uh, you know, have I missed anything? And let him tell you if you've missed anything. And then I'd go back with, I've looked at the numbers, there are two ways I can do this. One way I can offer you an amount to buy it now so that you're done with it, you don't own the property, you're you're done. Now that, you know, I remember I buy wholesale, not retail. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a, a fair price, but I don't know where it's going to sit in terms of what you're looking for. The other offer I could give you is to buy it now, but pay for it later. And what, we, what I mean by that is I will take over all the looking after of it for you. I will pay you a fee every month so that you are getting income. And then agreed point in time, I will complete the purchase for the agreed amount. And in the meantime, I can get it refurbed. I will cover the cost of that um, and take it off the final price. But we can get somebody in it so this property is not deteriorating any longer. And the main thing is you can effectively forget about the property. You won't have to deal with it day to day anymore. Which, which, which one sounds like the best solution for you? And I haven't even mentioned the word lease option. No. But we also haven't mentioned the price of what? No. Because until he comes back in that conversation and says... So what are the two offers? You can either procrastinate some more and say, I'll go and write them up and email them. Yeah. Or you can just have them ready and say, if I buy it now, so you're done, then my price is 55,000. If I do it where I buy it now and pay later. And in the meantime, pay you some money, cover the costs and get this set up for a tenant. Then I can offer you, £80,000, but only if you can give me time to actually do that. So I would be looking on £80,000, I'd be looking for five years. If you want more money, then I'd need more time. If you can take less money, I can do less time. And have your offer ready. What, what would be the um, amount per month? I know it depends on the numbers and that, but say the rental is five fifty a month. Well, you're effectively going to want to look at it from the same standpoint as if you were paying the, the buy-to-let mortgage. So if, if a buy-to-let mortgage on that place was 320 quid a month, then I'd be looking at no more than that amount because then it'll still cash flow. But it is dependent on your numbers 
And at the end of the day, it's, it's a negotiation and a conversation. So you're going to have a little bit of toing and froing. But yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be paying more than what I'd be paying on a mortgage because otherwise you've got the argument that you might as well buy it now and get a private funder to lend you the deposit, um, which is the only difficulty with buying it now. Let's face it, if you That's could buy it now, you would. Yeah. So, I mean, one way to do it, you could work out your maximum. So you could do the numbers if you were going to put in a deposit and do a mortgage to get into the deal. So you can already work out using an average interest rate what your mortgage is going to be per month. Mm. And if you know the deposit's 20 grand and let's say you're paying a private funder 10%, then you know that every year you're going to have to pay two grand. So that's, that's I would have picked the hardest number to work out, wouldn't I? Uh, so if it's two grand a year, then you're going to be paying about £180 a month to the private funder. So if your mortgage works out at 320 and the private funder would work out at 180 a month, then you know that is your absolute top line maximum, full stop. And then it's getting as, as far below that as you can based on the negotiation. So decide where you start, just like you do when you're buying a house and you're working out what the purchase price is. You start off with your first offer and know what your maximum offer is going to be. It's going to be exactly the same because you can work out the mortgage and you can work out what you'd be paying a private funder for interest. And ideally, we want it lower than that. So, yeah, it's that good old um, disliked word, do your numbers. Yes. Thank you. For Great question. Great question. That's what be your first so it's all still a win. Yeah. There's loads of chat going through. Thank you. Um so yeah, for the benefit of everybody that's listening on the podcast, because I know this might seem kind of strange, you'll sort of fly on the wall to our, our bi weekly session. Um, but there's chat going on in our Zoom room telling telling Tina that she always comes across so lovely, don't worry. Oh. Um, we always have a worse opinion of ourselves than others do, Tina. <laughs> yeah. So all I'd say is get the big girl pants on, get yeah. the tenor lady liners on and stop <laughs> having cups of tea. You know what happened yesterday? I came home from work yesterday and there were a, a, a tenor lady always flying through my letterbox. I'm like, what? Really? Really? <laughs> Switch straight in bin. That is the universe telling you something, my girl. That is definitely the universe. Yeah. But yeah, go do it, hun. Just, just, just go do it. Work out your maximum offers for the two different... Um, purchase routes and do exactly the same with mortgage and potential funder costs so you can work out what's the maximum you could possibly afford to pay each month remembering that this thing's got to cash flow so it's not worth doing it mm. yeah but yeah good luck and as always give me a shout if you need some yeah, help thank you. um yeah. helen hi tracy thank you Tracy, my question's in three three parts. It's around the same thing, though. So um, I'm wondering if anyone has successfully put a mortgage on an auction property um, where you've got 28 days to exchange and then a further 14 days to complete the deal. So that's the first part. Um, 
because I know it's well I've been told it's been done but I've never known anybody to do it and then I was wondering about indemnity on searches because Durham Council at the minute are taking forever to send the searches back so I'm wondering if there's any type of insurance or anything that you can put on searches rather than having the actual search done um, and then anyone's got any solicitors that are good with dealing with this type of thing as well? Um, so I'll do the first couple, or the, as in I'll do your last two first, and then we'll see if any of the ladies have, have done auction purchases. In terms of solicitors right now, a lot of the solicitors are absolutely uber busy. So the best bet is to go with somebody that you've, that is a recommendation so you can use their name and try and get through the door that way. Um, searches could be your problem, but we've done one and it took two weeks for the searches to come back. Some wow. councils, sadly, um, are, and, and it's happening all over. Yeah. The good old COVID is being used as an excuse in some places, sometimes justified, sometimes not. So, it depends on the council that you've got to go to, how quickly your search is going to come back. There is indemnity you can put on a search if they're not back in time. You can put insurance on it, but some of the insurers won't do it if it's simply a delay of getting the searches. Often your indemnities are based on somebody having done something that they haven't got building regs proof of uh, or planning proof of. And therefore, if you got caught and asked to remove the offending artifact, i.e. the extension or whatever's been done, you're insured for the cost of that happening. Um, but we have had indemnity against searches before now, but it was because they had to go back to the paper-based element in order to get them. So again, your solicitor is the place that would check on what's available for that. In terms of lending quickly... <laughs> is there a that's an oxymoron at the minute isn't it quick lending doesn't it's not happening at the minute how long have you been waiting sally she might be in a dinner yeah no four months and it was that's an easy refinance yeah that was a buy to let wasn't it sally yeah yeah four months, four months you know i remember a time pre the housing climb that we've had in the last year where you could get lending through in four weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's the issue with normal mortgage at the minute um, because I, of the I, time I understand factor. even bridges are taking a, a good while. Bridges can take a while as well. But what you've got is company like Auction Finance that are specifically, the name, as the name suggests, they're, they are, they're not going to be your cheapest rate. They are a way to get into an auction deal. But... As the name suggests, they were specifically put up to actually help finance auction purchasers because they are moving so quickly and you've got to get things done fast. So um, I'd say auction finance or bridging would be your best option simply because right now um, you're going you're gonna to struggle with the time. And Sharon's just put down DMI do auction properties as well. So have a Thank chat you. with Wayne or the guys at DMI. Uh, phone up auction finance. They usually, auction finance used to be at every single auction. Um, but yeah, you, I think you're going to need to go down the bridge or a, an auction specialist because of the speed that you need. Okay. Right. Yeah. And Ellen, by the way, you sound super stressed. 
<laughs> but I've read recently, and I'm not sure what the article was, but I've, I've, I've read recently because of the solicitors and the banks and everything being so slow at the minute, people are speaking to the auctioneers and going and telling them, saying, look, is there any possible, go and ask them for an extension for a month. I, I, I don't know where, I don't know if anybody else has seen this. Ask, you've got nothing to lose. Just go and ask. Because it's so tough to get things done quickly. Have you bought it already? No, I haven't bought it yet. I'm in negotiations at the moment with them. But what the saying, the lady who owns it um, is wanting rid of it. And she's quite adamant that she really wants a cash purchase. Um, but I don't really want to buy it cash. I'd prefer to put finance on it straight away. You can still put you can still put finance on it straight away. The cash purchase is often if if it's mortgageable, then the cash purchase is often because they don't want it dragging on. She's put it in an auction, so the auction terms will stop it dragging on. Because yeah, yes, you can ask, you can ask for an extension. Um, obviously, it, it's a bit trickier on an auction, but it is possible. But the owner is ultimately the one that can decide whether to give you that or not. Um, but yeah, I'd say have a chat with the auction specialist people like DMI or auction finance or a bridging. Okay, lovely. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and don't, yeah, don't dilly dally on signing your paperwork because I know, I know in times gone by, you could get your paperwork in for signature for your apps and everything. And you could sit on it for a couple of days. These days, it's like the minute, the minute you get it, just sign it and get it out the door. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Thank You're you, Marilyn. Welcome. So, have we got any more for any more? Let me go to gallery view here on the Sandra. Zoo. Sandra has got. I can't see the gallery, so there you go, Sandra. I can see your hand up in the air now. Hi. Um, yes, I'm looking at commercial residential property at the minute, and the commercial side has a long-term tenant in there, um, and I'm wondering. It's because obviously it's the first time I've dealt with a commercial residential and a tenant in there. Uh, is it the same? Is there anything I need to know or ask before putting an offer in with regards to the tenant? Um, is there any same similar issues? I mean, is there any is there similar issues as there were, would be if it was a vital let? Um, yes, yes, and no. Um, okay. So there are issues like there would be with a vital let, but it will be depend upon what is on the lease as to whether it's the same as a buy-to-let or slightly easier. The first thing I say is you get hold of a copy of the lease, find out when the lease expires, whether there's any right for rent increases during the term, whether there is any break clauses in there, um, and who is the tenant. Because obviously, if you've got, say, Tesco Express in a building, that has a better value than having a little mum-pop opticians. But yeah, it's, it's a, a case of looking at the lease, just like you would the AST on a buy-to-let. Okay. And if she, you know, because of COVID, if she was in arrears, would that cause problems? Or obviously, what doesn't it? She's been there for 10 years and she's a photographer. Okay, so with COVID, they... They are going to allow it where you can start effectively. You can take proceedings against commercial tenants soon. It's not. It's not yet here. It's going to happen very soon. But at the minute, you cannot do. Any, there is. 
there is a, an emergency law that I believe, I mean, we're recording this in July. It is about to be ended, but it isn't ended yet. So right now, the emergency COVID law is a commercial tenant cannot be evicted can, for lack of rent. That is going to change in the next four to six weeks, I believe, but I'd have to check the date. So once the emergency law has been dropped, which is exactly the same as what we had on normal residential tenancies, in the sense that up until a couple of months ago, you had to give six months notice unless they were nine months or more in arrears prior to COVID. Whereas now that has dropped if, if they're more than so many weeks in arrears, I think it's six months now, you can go straight for a Section 8 and still do that within a month on a residential. But the commercial world hasn't yet changed. So that's the only thing to bear in mind. Um, I can go look up and see if I can find out when the date is, but that's going through the process of being altered now. And at that point, all the commercial landlords can start chasing for rent again. Um, it is effectively understanding the terms of their lease. And when you, if you buy this, you need to make sure what's written into your purchase is you also buy the historical um, arrears. So depending on what you're agreeing with the seller, if you're reducing the price on him or going in for a price that is slightly lower than he'd really like, then he might want the he might want the ability to take all the arrears ownership up till the day you complete and then the rest is yours. But that's something you've got to consider. And it actually applies to residential, that one's, guys. If somebody's in arrears and you're buying a property and they're going to stay put, then you have to make sure that you agree who owns the arrears prior to completion date. Are you going to take them as part of the purchase or is the old landlord going to keep them because you've done an agreement with him? And a lot of people forget about that. Ah, oh, it's been extended. Brilliant. So, breaking news. Well done, Sally. Ban on commercial eviction has been extended until the 25th of March. That doesn't mean you can't, you can't serve notice and do that, but you can't, if they choose not to go, then you can't actually physically evict them until March 2022. Okay. Now, you're probably fine with a photographer and you've got to ask yourself this because it's that conundrum again. You're probably fine with a photographer if you gave them a choice and it was a small business that has now decided they don't need the premises. If you offered for them to go with no impact, they might choose to voluntarily go. That is allowable. You can't forcibly remove them and that's gone through to March 2022 now which is good news for me because I'm not paying my pension, my rent at the minute. <laughs> um, but she may well be willing or he may be willing to do a deal with you when you buy it to actually just leave voluntarily. The thing there is if you've got a commercial tenant who once they get back on their feet will be a good tenant for you and their lease has still got a good number of years to go, then it might be better working with them than working against them. But that's going to depend how that impacts your cash flow and what your exit is on the building. Okay. Uh, can I get the leasehold agreement from the estate agents? Right. Uh, yeah, you should be able, the estate agent should be able to get that for you. It's not a leasehold agreement. A, so a leasehold is where they have ownership of like 
the part the the building but not the the space they occupy not the land a lease is a commercial tenancy agreement basically so you want a lease lovely yeah that's great thank you some good questions tonight guys um right let me just go back to gallery on zoom just to make sure we've not missed anybody right hands up now or forever hold your p's and q's yep i think we've got it covered haven't we bunch of great questions again um what's that you need to get some proper drawings done yeah yeah i'd say um get some proper drawings done definitely marilisa's got her hand up as well or cindy has no um i'm actually coming back i'm not really sure it's the right platform for this question because last week we had a question about vat and two businesses and the construction company the vat and you know all that lot um and 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 i've had a word with my accountant and it was exactly as you said that if you can remember the answer is that the contractor can charge fifth generation architecture fifth generation pay the contractor claim the vat back and then your that money fifth generation loans to as a director's loan to um bookie properties um and it's totally legal yeah it, which is exactly as you said yeah so thank you for that that's all right you're welcome as always and for those listening for the first time i am not regulated or authorized to give you any financial advice we just use our experience and knowledge and share it with you here you've been listening in to the witch property mastermind q a and all of our ladies are mastermind members in our program but if you want to join us for free just visit www.witchproperty.com and join nearly a thousand other ladies in our community sharing knowledge guiding helping answering questions all around property <laughs>